Well, welcome everybody. Here we are trimming the tree at the Moyers house and uh, Amy's with me. Hello. And uh, right now, Catherine and Serena, our neighbor, are trying to put lights up on the window and the, and the tree's falling over. How you doing there, Kat? Hi. Hi, Serena. Hi. And we're uh, having fun. Let's describe the tree to everybody. It's plastic. Wow, that was a great description. <laughs> By the way, I'm Rick. And I'm Amy. Welcome to the Taking With You podcast. Um, yeah, for, what is today? Let me see, 24th. When was Thanksgiving on the 24th? 24th was Thursday. Okay, so the 25th is Friday. 26th would be Saturday. For for the, the, 27th, the 27th of November, 2011. And uh, as you can hear in the background, one of my favorite, all-time favorite um, Willie Nelson Christmas album. iPod right there and you can hear it so she's giving instruction to the girls about their stuff and Jade's here too hi Jade she's looking at us like she's crazy so gosh um it's been a crazy week yeah, don't stand on the lights though you're standing on the Christmas lights sorry about that that's how they don't that's why they don't work all the time it's kind of crazy but uh, anyway I was trying to have a conversation my wife walks away from me so I guess I can just walk with her. You're right here. You're having fun trimming the tree with the Moyers right now. We're trimming the... Well, why do they call it trimming the tree when you don't actually cut it? Um. Well, I'm not exactly sure. I think it's kind of like we say we are putting on a dinner with all the trimmings. It's like all the extra stuff. Because I wouldn't want to cut my Christmas tree apart too much. And then I wouldn't want to eat trimmings unless, of course... They were good trimmings. I think they're supposed to be good trimmings. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, it was a crazy week, wasn't it? Yes, indeed. It was a, a fairly busy week. We had a lot of driving on Thanksgiving, but we got to see your family, and that was nice, and had a nice dinner with them, and you got to visit with um, your niece's geeky boyfriend, and he's fun. Yeah, I like him a lot. He he kind of fits in the family. We think she she should keep him. Yeah, we like him a lot because he likes Star Trek. Yeah, he he's a nice nice geeky boy. <laughs> My wife describing nice geeky boy. That's hilarious. Well, yeah. So uh, we had we had a little Thanksgiving thing at our house as well this uh, last week. We had a Thanksgiving Eve with Nathan and Ivy because they were going to their side. Yeah, her side of the family on Thanksgiving. So, um, yeah, we're we're just busy, 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 busy. But we're having a good time. What are you doing here now? You're what are you working on here? We we are. I well, I asked the girls to put lights around the windows, but they've kind of gotten carried away a little bit and are are lighting up the. Um, well, lighting up the china cabinet, too. Uh, okay. All right. So uh, do you have any special ornaments here that you can tell us about that you uh, have a particular liking to? I see we have an angel out here. What angel? Is that for the top of the tree? Um, your sister-in-law, Ron's, your brother's wife, 
made this for us years and years ago when we were first married. Wow, it's a 25-year-old angel. That's pretty cool. So do we have anything exciting in here other than... Uh, this, is another, this is another angel that's over 20 years old that we got from your family. How come angels that are 20 years old look so bad? Aren't they supposed to be like heavenly beings? Well, yeah, generally. Um, this is a special ornament that no one can see, but it's um, woven wheat. And it's um, kind of a one that your aunt gave us that's made out of wheat, and it's really pretty. Wow, wheat ornament. Well, this isn't probably very special for anybody listening. Anything cool? Where's my Yoda ornament? I have a Yoda ornament that somebody gave me. I think my friend Megan gave it to me. Mm, on the tree you shall hang. I like Yoda. Yoda's cool. Too bad he's made up. Wouldn't it be fun to go talk to Yoda sometime? This is, this is a special ornament if I, we can get it to work. What is it? It doesn't work anymore. It used to sing um, a song of you and another lady um, singing in a play that you wrote years ago. Oh, they have a picture of me in the play. Oh, yeah. Probably just have to put a battery on it, huh? Yeah, or in it. Yoda's not in there, huh? Oh, well. I'm sure we'll find him. I'm sure he's got to be around here somewhere. So do you have any actually spe- you know, specific ornaments that are special to you? Or There's Yoda right there. He's right there. His face is down. Okay, there there he is, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Hang on the tree, I will. Okay, um, you like Yoda. The ones that are special to me are the ones that my grandmother crocheted. They were crocheted and then she starched them so that they look like little snowflakes. They're very sparkly. Yeah, well that one is. Some of them are sparkly, some aren't. Those are probably my most treasured ornaments. And then I also have some cute ones that, oh, here's a, a wheat grass angel. It's kind of a Scandinavian thing to do. Some of my other special ones are um, ones we'll probably give to our oldest son. They're little Noah's Ark ones. Your mom and dad gave him one, Nathan, one for his first birthday. And my mom also gave him a Noah's Ark one. So they, they, two, they're, they look a little bit different, but kind of similar. They both have giraffes and elephants. Yeah. So one of the interesting things is I did some research about Scandinavian Christmas traditions. And we kind of started out on Thanksgiving doing this because on Thanksgiving, I saved the bacon grease from our hors d'oeuvres that we made, and I mixed um, I mixed birdseed in with it, and I made a birdseed pie for the birds, and we had a, a blue jay outside just a few minutes ago eating some. But the Scandinavian tradition was that on Christmas morning, you or Christmas Eve, you made sure to put out extra food for your animals in the barn and also the wild animals. And why was that? Because um, they were the first um, creatures to greet baby Jesus. Well, that's interesting. I thought I thought they you left them out for the reindeer and Santa. No. So um yeah you. <laughs> you put out extra food for birds and for your um, livestock because Jesus was greeted first by the animals that probably lived in the stable or the cave or wherever he was born at. He was born in a manger. He was laid in a manger. A manger is... The a food trough. 
as a food trough, yeah. But so glad a cow didn't like. Yeah. It was probably, you know, both you and I had barns growing up. And you wouldn't want to lay a baby on the barn floor because usually they were pretty gross. gross. So Mary wrapped up baby Jesus in swaddling claws and laid him in a food trough. That's pretty modern and hip for that time to have Mary wrap for Jesus. Hey, little baby, born in the hay. No, dear. No, she didn't wrap for Jesus. She wrapped Jesus up in swaddling claws like blankets, swaddled him so he didn't flail around, that he felt secure and comforted. I remember doing that with our kids. Yeah, we swaddled them a little bit, but they didn't stay swaddled for long. No. Okay, so what do we have over here? Come here. Come with me over here. Let's look at this. Looks like we have a cool display here. What's this? This is basically a traditional nativity set, and um, it has a little wooden crash, which we know historically it was probably more of a cave in that area. But does it really matter? It, not really. It's just to remember that Jesus is the light of the world, and he came in to a dark and dying world and brought his light. I remember when I was growing up, even though we weren't a super religious family at all, we did have a nativity scene every year. You had a beautiful nativity scene. I think it went to live at your sister's house. I'm not sure where it went to live, but yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll be right back in just a moment. So you, I'm going to give you the mic, and you can talk a little bit more about what we're going to— we're, we have an interview today on the show that we're going to introduce in a moment. Maybe you could talk a little bit about who we're going to be interviewing. And maybe before you do that, share one of your favorite holiday recipes with everybody. Hmm, holiday recipes. Well, I got to tell you what I made today that was really good. And it's very simple to do with leftover turkey. We I um brought some water to a boil and put some leftover gravy in it. So this isn't low calorie, of course, but then I added some celery, carrots and onions and some leftover turkey and started the vegetables cooking and then I mixed up some Scandinavian um, dumplings. And it's just, I made a double batch, but a single batch is one cup flour, a quarter cup milk, and one egg. And you just mix that up. And when the vegetables are mostly done, you dip your spoon into the hot liquid and dip a little bit of the dumpling batter into the soup. And... Um, just keep on doing that until all the batter's gone. And that makes drump, um, drop dumplings. And um, traditionally, my mom made them in a milk, um, kind of a milk broth. And we would call them milk dumplings. But today we had turkey dumplings. So that was a lot of fun. Um, very good lunch and a good way to use up your leftover turkey from Thanksgiving. Um, I think last year we published a bunch of recipes that were traditional cookies and stuff that I grew up having. There was another recipe that I wanted to let everybody know for Thanksgiving. Works at Christmas, too, if you make a turkey or you like stuffing. Now, we have a disagreement on stuffing. And you like dressing, or I guess they call it stuffing, dressing, whatever. It's my favorite part of Thanksgiving, but not the same way that Rick has a favorite part of it. Okay, so... Mm. She just likes like the gross 
get out of the box stovetop stuffing. It's just basically bread with seasoning. Well, and I think that comes from my family. My mom was the cook in the family, and she was first-generation American. And my grandmother didn't grow up with Thanksgiving traditions, so she didn't really have, like, a special stuffing mix. That's kind of an American thing. So um, our family just made stovetop stuffing usually, (laughs) and... And so that's what I grew up with, and that's what I like. But on the other hand, your family was a restaurant family. Your grandparents owned a restaurant and put a lot of thought and effort into their holiday meals. Right. Well, my grandpa used to make stuffing from scratch, and he would work on it, make do his own bread and the whole schmear. I just do a doctoring up of the stovetop recipe, which is very easy for any of our listeners to do. So what I do is I start with two stalks of celery, and I chop those up in whatever you desire for chunk wise but i i do a not a very huge chunk but a chunk a few chunks anyway so i do two stalks of celery and i put that in a pan uh, usually either a probably just a saucepan or something that'll that you can cook your stuffing into and then i put uh in that i also put a little bit of butter or or oil or whatever you want to do so you can saute the vegetables then I take a half an onion, sweet onion and I chop that up and put it in there as well and some watered chestnuts. And then I saute those until they're tender. And then I put in my stuffing mix from the from the box, the stovetop stuffing. And then I add chicken broth or water until it gets to a consistency that I like and uh, mix that up really well. And then I pop it in the oven for a half hour and it comes out a lot better than you just getting it out of the box. Um, that's debatable, but you like it. Well, there's nothing like a good water chestnut. The water chestnuts I can handle. The slimy mushrooms. Now, those are the gross parts. I didn't say anything about mushrooms. Didn't you put mushrooms in yours? I have. I forgot to say that. And they're gross. But other than that, it's not bad. Mushrooms are not gross in spite of how they're grown. And, um, about our interview today, um, we are interviewing... Um, a Facebook friend of mine. I had read one of her books and found her on Facebook and had communicated back and forth with her a little bit. And we asked her if she would do an interview with us. And um, one cool thing about her is that she um, believes in God like we do. And she also is a sci-fi fan and is a sci-fi author. And has written several sci-fi books. So um, we're going to talk about those. They're kind of more in the fantasy genre. But um, I've read some and really have enjoyed them. And looking forward to reading the um, the whole collection of them. Sharon Hink, and I'm, am I pronouncing Hink correctly? Yes. All right, great. And we're Skyping today. We're Skyping from the West Coast to the Midwest, and we're having a good time chatting. 
Um, so, Amy, how do you know Sharon? I know Sharon from reading one and a half of her books, and I have um, three more. This is not a freaking endorsement. You do intend to finish the I, I do intend to finish because I, I really do enjoy them. I've just, I, like I've said, I've, I've had um, my eyes bigger than I've had time. So um, I'm really looking forward to reading all of her books, and I'm working my way through them. Okay, and, and so so now we have her on on the podcast for a specific reason because you read her book. It not only did it it help you, but uh, there's something really interesting that a lot of our listeners are going to really enjoy about Sharon. And and tell us what that is. Well, um, I'll probably let her share more. But I think your tagline is something about for the hero in all of us. Stories for the hero in all of us. Stories for the hero in all of us, and. Um, the books, which I have read so far, um, have mature women, not little tiny, um, how do I say it? Teeny boppers? Not, well, you know, not the typical sci-fi woman. Um. Oh, I see what you're saying. (laughs) But mature, intelligent women as the lead characters in the book and, um, I can relate to that, and I think we need more characters like that. And they tend to be sci-fi a little bit or fantasy a little bit mixed in with some spiritual um, layers in there to make you think and reflect. So um, that's kind of of the combination. Oh, I'm, I'm, I don't know if it's buzzing on you, but the voice was feeding back. Okay, now it's better. I was just hearing my voice back and sounding very strange. Yeah, there's a little uh, echo there or something. Well, what, is, what it is, Amy, is it's when you're talking and she talks at the same time, it gets all messed up. So you ask a question and pause for a minute and then let her answer. Okay. <laughs> so why we're, we're getting used to this here. Why don't we take just a minute for you to explain a little bit about yourself and your background, and I'll stop talking so I don't have an <laughs> echo. <laughs> all right, I'll try. Um, I've always been sort of a crazy artist. Um, really drawn to any form of arts, the fine arts, music, acting, dancing, and um, got my bachelor degree in education and worked for a few years in a church and just felt like I could um, make more of an impact in people's lives and do more ministry actually in the art world than I was doing in church. So my husband and I went to grad school and I got my master's in communication and after that spent... Um, 10 years as the artistic director of a Christian dance company where we did theater performances using ballet and modern and even there were even a few jazz and tap numbers but all on themes that related to our faith and um, issues that we dealt with in our faith walk and questions and just exploring um, issues of faith and after doing that began transitioning into writing, and the first story I wrote is the one that that Amy is halfway into, which is The Restorer, and if you can imagine trying to talk to a publisher about a book that's kind of fantasy and a little sci-fi, but has a middle American mom as the heroine, um, it was a little little bit of a hard sell at first to convince them that there'd be anybody who would want to read that, but it's the book of my heart, and we're re-releasing it now, and that's 
um, Amy noticed me posting about that, I think, on Facebook and invited me. And so I'm delighted to get to talk about that and just the whole crazy notion of, as Amy described, using a non-typical hero for the story. A lot of fantasy stories have a young man who gets the call to adventure and then goes off and slays the dragon or whatever. Um, but one of, part of what inspired me was um, I had been reading the story of Deborah in the book of Judges. She lived at a time where the culture didn't really value and honor women as leaders. And she's described as a mother in Israel. So she was a, a mother, a mother figure. Um, and yet she ended up leading people into battle. And that sounded very Lord of the Rings to me. I could just picture this whole idea and I thought, what if it was a middle American mom, a soccer mom in contemporary, you know, year 2011, what would that look like? What kind of hero would that be? What would her journey be like? And um, it became a metaphor for me of all the women I know who get pulled into adventures they don't expect, whether it's a parent with Alzheimer's or a child with a learning disability or a friend with cancer, and they suddenly have to fill a role they weren't prepared to fill. And they get this call on their life to do something that they can't do in their own power. And that's really what the story in The Restorer is about, although it's taken to the extreme of um, a, a lot of swashbuckling and sword fighting and strange, odd worlds and um, kind of fun. Yeah. But I really think that's what women's lives are like. And men too, Rick. I didn't want to leave you out. No, but. that's fine. You know, um, I've, I've, I've been into sci-fi stuff for many, many years, and, uh, and I'm also a believer and and. Uh, I think many times that people think that's at odds with each other, but it really isn't if you get down to it. I mean, I love a good story, and I really like to think about, you know, fantasy and space and stuff. It's just really cool. I love those kind of things and adventures. And I have noticed – go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Well, I have noticed that in the sci-fi that I've watched, there's some of it that I don't really get into because of the way it portrays women. And so, you know, I've got a lot of friends, a lot of, of, of friends. We have um, a really cool uh, couple of friends that uh, do a podcast called Anomaly Podcast. And um, they have also done some shows talking about the, what, how women are portrayed in sci-fi and stuff like that and how it's so needed. Our cat just walked right in front of the camera. Sorry about that. But it's so needed nowadays to have, um, to have um, women authors that will – will bring a reality into the picture of what it really would be like. How often does our phone ring? Never. Well, not quite never. But. Yeah, okay. It adds authenticity. It's a yeah, good thing. I guess so, yeah. We've actually answered it while we're doing the podcast before, but we're not going to right now. But anyway, I, I'm just really I'm excited to hear more about how you came to this conclusion, how to do that, because that's quite a challenge to break out of the stereotypes that are already exist, and I bet it's real interesting when people crack open your book and go, whoa, this is way different than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure that for some, because I'm diverging, then it's not as comfortable. It's not the kind of fantasy they're looking for. You know, I'm sure that there are, for some, it's a bad fit. On the other hand, 
I get lots and lots of letters from people who say, mm-hmm. I normally don't like fantasy or I don't quite get it or right. it goes into long histories of odd worlds that I don't feel like reading. But this story I could get into because I could relate. So right. I mm-hmm. right away I, I thought, of, I happen to love um, Stephen Law had C.S. Lewis's, I was, when I was going to interrupt you there, I wanted to ask if you'd read his Space Trilogy, right. which is so inspirational for me. And um, just the imagination of what might be mm-hmm. elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And um, so I happen to love those kind of books, but a lot of my friends won't touch a fantasy or a sci-fi novel. And I thought, you know, if they had a keyhole character, that, that person that could let them see the adventure through their eyes that they could relate to, maybe they would enjoy it. And in that way, I may not always be as successful with the hardcore right. um, epic fantasy fans, but I definitely have found an audience with, um, with readers who are open to this weird blended genre. That's fantastic. So, That's yeah, great. It's well, it's a, it's a neat form of communication. That's great. Okay, I'm sorry, Amy, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll do all the talking if I don't watch out there. Well, I, I read your bio that you are a person of faith and you believe in God and you also love um, sci-fi and fantasy. How have, how have you done with, with mixing the two? Um, we talked about that a little bit, but what inspired you to mix the well, two up? Because of my faith, because of every day a little bit more getting to know more facets of God and how cool he is, Mm -hmm. um, I'm drawn to, first of all, fiction as an art form because it's so creative and imaginative. I guess I feel that um, as a Christian, I'm always struggling to utter the unutterable. I'm trying to put words to God's grace in my life, which is so beyond my ability to describe. Or I'm trying to convey what the struggle is when I'm trying to surrender to following God instead of my own desires. And how do I depict that? Um, And it's really difficult, but I find that story can convey. And I've noticed that God used story a lot Mm -hmm. throughout Scripture. And when I look at the Old Testament, he had performance artists. I mean, some of the prophets, they literally did performance art. Mm-hmm. to convey a message because it was so vivid and visual and they enacted things that were symbolic and that triggered people's emotions and that helped people connect with what the message was. So for me, um, fiction and then especially writing fantasy where you just are, are open to so much creativity and I just find that God is so amazingly creative that using a creative art form like that is just perfect for, for tussling with those questions of faith mm-hmm. and for conveying those concepts that are so beyond our ability to sometimes understand. Does that make any sense? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess this is a question we've often asked some of our other writers we've talked to, is where do you draw some of your inspiration? I know you talked about your faith, but like if you ever have like a time where Oh man, I just don't know if I can write today. And then what <laughs> inspires you to to write another page? Oh, okay. First of all, that's every day. <laughs> I understand. I, and most of my writer friends would would agree that the it's a battle every time. And especially after you've been published for a while because then 
you had more criticism. You have those little crows flapping around your head saying, you don't know what you're doing and remember what so-and-so said and they didn't like this. And you're, it's, it's a constant battle. And um, for me, I guess, um, hmm, I, I think a lot of my inspiration is drawn from the needs of friends, the, the struggles in my own life, the things I'm trying to make sense of that I've walked through. And if I can put some of those themes into a story and look at them from different angles, it kind of helps to begin to make sense of it. And that's part of what draws me to sitting down and working on a story. Once I'm into a story, that keeps me going because the characters become so real to me. I occasionally have been so worried about my characters that I've prayed for them in my prayer time when I'm like praying for my family and my friends. And then I'd say, oh yeah, and Kieran and Tristan are really angry with each other right now, and I'm so worried about them. And, and then you write, um, uh... And go, oh, wait. <laughs> I, I can fix that if I write the next scene. <laughs> Have one of them apologize and say they're sorry. Right? Now, now, I find this fascinating because what I'm, he- what I'm hearing you say... Oh, that's funny. What I'm hearing you say is that regardless if you're a believer or not, sometimes you go through some rotten stuff. You go through some trying yes. times, yes. and instead of just getting depressed about it and sad and and woe is me and feeling sorry for yourself, or even saying, oh, you know, how, well, I <laughs> well we all do, but you know, but instead of yelling and saying God, why me? Instead of you know, why not me? You know those kind of things. You're you're actually taking these things that you've gone through or going through, and you're channeling it and i don't mean channeling in a new age way but i mean diverting it towards something positive to help not only you but others that's that's fascinating well i think um there i'm going to be roughly roughly paraphrasing and i don't remember where it is but there's there's a verse in the new testament that talks about how god comforts us in our struggles so that later we are able to comfort others Mm-hmm. With the same comfort with which we were comforted, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and I I really hope I can do that. Um, C.S. Lewis said once, "We read to know we're not alone." And when I hear from a reader who's reading my book, one of my books, and says, oh, "What this character is going through and the way it's described," I you know somebody gets it. Some this is me. This is how I feel. Somebody's finally described it, and they get it. And then they don't, that reader no longer feels alone. They feel comforted. Right. That, mm-hmm. that's, even though it's fictional, they know that there was an author behind it who gets that struggle or that question or that whatever. Um, so it's my hope. That's my longing. And that's what makes writing worthwhile for me is that thought that um, someone will feel heard and understood and know that they're not alone when that's, they read my books. That's really cool because, you know, that's why... That's why different books and different movies and plays and music is popular because it, there's something that relates with the listener or the mm-hmm. reader or the, yeah. there's an identification that Something happens. touches their heart. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yes, yes. Um, and now you talked about this a little bit ago, but what are you currently working on? Oh, I, I, I'm, I am, you guys can't see it on the podcast, but I am holding up. My new book that just came out, and this is the Restorer Expanded Edition. Okay. And um, this past year, I was working on this extra material for it. 
um, a whole neat little devotional guide, Bible study sort of thing, because a lot of people have been um, intrigued by the spiritual themes in the book. Mm -hmm. And so for those who want to explore that more and where I drew some inspiration from, like I mentioned the biblical character of Deborah. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the, the, this new devotion guide is added to the back of the book. Plus I wrote bonus scenes from the point of view of other characters because this book was written all from the point of view of Susan. Mm -hmm. There's some things that happen between chapters or off screen that you, you know, you never get to see. So I've written some bonus chapters. So what I'm currently writing, um, I've already turned in all the bonus material for book two. Book one is now in print. Yay! And then book two I turned in, and book three is what I'm working on. And um, every morning, getting up and staring at the blank page and <laughs> ready for inspiration for that, for working on the bonus material. And then when book three is turned in, hopefully by Christmas, I'll have all that material turned in. Um, I'm going to get back to work on a fourth book in the series. Oh, wow, that's exciting. Fine, fine, so I'm very excited about that. Now, Amy, you don't have the expanded version. I, I don't, I don't think. But I'm, I, I am looking in the book right now, and I see that, is this your husband that wrote the song with you? No, that's my son. Your my son, oldest, very my cool. My son's composer, and he's a music director at a church out in Baltimore, and an accomplished classical guitarist. Wow. And yeah, he's well, very, very gifted. Cool. So he wrote music, and for the new editions, he's written extra. He's written more music. Wow! So there's even more songs and maps and glossaries. You know, all the fun stuff that fantasy novels should have. I I enjoy the map. I'm a map geek. You know, I, <laughs> it, you know, one of my favorite things of Lord of the Rings was looking at the maps. I, I have to admit, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why some of us like maps, but we just do. I. I actually talked to a lady at church about your book this last Sunday and and I said, "Oh, I think you'd like this series." And and she explained why she likes sci-fi and fantasy so much, and she said it's because she thinks it's amazing when someone can out of nothing create a whole different world, a whole different universe. Mm -hmm. And you know, she goes, "It's creative like God's creative." You know, and yeah. it kind of has, you know, God is the most creative of all, you know, and, and, you know, we're kind of like his kids who we get to yeah. be inspired by him and try to be creative too. And she yeah. just thought that was so cool. I don't, I, I wish I had the questions. You're doing so well at not actually reading them like questions and I don't have them in front of me, but I'm curious about a couple of things. Well, you go ahead. I only have one left. Okay. Well, I'm curious, Sharon, how long have you believed in God? And and have you have you always been a believer, or or did something happen, or what? what how'd that help? I I grew up in a Christian home. I, my earliest memories are playing on a swing, swinging high up, looking up in the sky, and talking to Jesus. So from even my earliest memories, I knew He was there. Mm -hmm. And because I grew up in a Christian home, went to church, I knew Jesus died on the cross for my sins. He was my Savior. But as I grew, probably, you know, um, junior high, high school, I, I began to realize that there's, there's something, you know, you can say, I know Jesus saved me, and then kind of compartmentalize and get on with your life and, and have your, all your focus on other things. Or you can say, he's really my Lord, and I'm going to let him 
take charge of what I do with my life, where I go with my life, how I handle things. So I came to a real crisis of faith, and I, I remember arguing and wrestling with God over the course of about a year, saying, I know you're asking me to surrender more deeply to you, to really let you be the Lord of my life. But if I do that, then you're going to kill my parents and strike me blind and make me go be a missionary in China because that all builds character or something. I had this kind of weird, distorted notion of who God is, even though I'd been taught better. Right. <laughs> Somehow, I, I had this, this wrong picture of who he was, and because of that, I was afraid to really put my life in his hands completely. Right. Um, right. And it's so funny because many, many years later, I just had to laugh about this, that one of my big fears was, he's going to send me to China to be a missionary. I actually, um, oh, 10, 10, 15 years ago, made three different trips to Hong Kong uh, to, to work with YWAM. Oh, cool. Um, but it was as a dance teacher to work with their dance team that and, does ministry all over the world. And you would have never thought that, would you? No, I, it never would have occurred to me that, that God would actually call me to use talents and training and gifts that I loved for him in a way that made sense. And I don't know why that was such a shock and surprise to me that God would do something so sensible and so loving and so right. merciful. Um, so God continues to surprise me with his goodness. Yeah, and it, it shouldn't great. be a surprise. I, I mean, I know, but at, I know, but you know, you're right. I, I think that a lot of the people that we talk to that maybe have not been involved in church at all, um, the same thing happens in their their life, and they once they start looking back, they can see where God has been working with them. And there's a lot of people are surprised that God would want you to do something you like. <laughs> but but yeah. you but if you think about it, if 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 God is our heavenly Father, and if you if you have a good relationship with your dad, you know your dad wants the best for you. He doesn't want you to, you know, he doesn't want to pull fast ones on you and make you miserable all your life. I mean, maybe there are some fathers like that, and they're not very nice, but you know what I mean. And so when we start looking at something like that, and it's it's a hard concept because I don't know why we've been taught differently or perceived it differently, but God really does want us to do things that are that he gifted us with. And and And, you know, I always equate it to this. It's like if you're a baseball person, when you hit the ball and you hit that sweet spot, and the ball just goes, you know, just sails on out. It's like that. It's it's like, uh, or if you're a musician like I am, when you get into that certain groove and you're going, and and you just kind of get into this jam, and you hit that point where everything is just, it's just sounds amazing. That's the spot right there when when you just feel God's smile in your life, and mm-hmm. He wants that for us. And I think that's that's amazing. That's great. Yeah. Sorry, I could start. You get me preaching, man. Come on. <laughs> That was good. <laughs> no, I mean, we. I, I am being very inspired. I need this for my work tomorrow morning. I'm going to come to the work. Well, I'm going to. I'm also. Energy. Before we get off the Skype call, I'm going to send you. Um, I felt led to do this, but I'm going to send you both my uh, instrumental albums um, of uh, Yay. of electronic music. It's very different. And uh, it'll it'll help you during some Wait, times when the the first album he put out a couple years ago Stargazer. called Stargazer. We have a a friend who's a writer in lives in Denver, and mm-hmm. he does kind of sci Christian sci fi mm-hmm. too. We've had him on the show. Before. Really interesting. Um, 
writing. Really fascinating. Um, he he often listens to that instrumental album. Yeah, he likes that one. Actually, he he had an audio drama that, well, actually he wrote a uh, short story and uh, sent it to me and I did all, I scored the whole story for him and sent it back to him and he's pretty excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And it was a a time travel um, story. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. That is very cool. And I would love to hear, oh, and, I just remembered a geeky thing I wanted to tell you guys because okay. you're geeks. Okay. Yes, thank you. Which I forgot to mention. Okay. Um, and I know this won't show up on audio for people, but okay, you know those QR codes that yeah. are like in magazines and different things? Where okay. you put your webcam on it, then it. If you have a smartphone, it'll take you places. Right, right, right. Okay. Well, we put, I'm trying to find one of them now, we put QR codes scattered throughout this new edition. Oh, and then yeah. if you smartphone it, oh, that's cool. It takes you like if it's a song, it takes you to the audio of oh, the song. Oh, that's totally cool. And if they're eating a meal, it takes you to the recipe for that oh. meal. Oh my goodness! Okay, <laughs> I, I know I just bought the first book on okay. Amazon, but I'll probably have to get the newest one now. Too. All right, yeah. In fact, we'll tell, just tell. Oh, you want the new edition? The new edition. Because the new edition is ultra cool. Okay, now okay. you just you just spoke to a whole lot of our and, audience right and, there. They um, love that. And I have an iPhone on back order, so, so she's going to be doing. As soon this. as I get my iPhone, I'll have to order the new book so I can do the smart code thing. So, so let me tell me then, um, I, because I know sometimes in the church world, um, technology and things like this are resisted. I'm not exactly sure why. There's a lot. I mean, I don't really want to talk about all that. But, but um, why are you? I mean, is this? I mean, is it scary to embrace this type of technology and stuff, or are you just using it as a tool to expand things? Or, or for me, it's a toy. I just I like to play, and so I still remember when the first Vic Twenty computer came out, and we got our first Vic Twenty, ah, yes. and I was learning to program on it, and then we got the Commodore sixty four. Oh, and, and you remember? And you remember? So- if this equals that, then go to yes. basic. And yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. And and you would you'd record your data onto a cassette, cassette tape. tape. Oh yes. yes. I had a metallic cassette tape. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we'd like get the computer magazines that they would have pages and pages of code that you, you would type, type in, in by hand to get a little balloon to float across, across the, the screen, screen or whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I like being playful. And the technology today is so fun that why not play with it? And why not embrace it? And I I mean, there are times that I'm a Luddite. And I would certainly rather go for a long walk in the woods away from any noise and any technology. So there's that part of me too. Sure. Mm -hmm. But but yeah, then I'll play rock band for hours. Right, right. (laughs) So and computer games, and because it's creative and it's fun and very cool. What what's yeah. the next gadget that you want to get? Have you thought about it? Ooh, because there's so many things. I mean, I heard today that the iPad three is coming out here uh, within the first three or four months of 2012, and I'm very excited about that. He, I, now he has a change uh, a change jar. Is that what that's for, or is that for something else? Well, that was for my iPhone. But a tip that's jar? So, like, yeah, I throw yeah. things in it. Cyber sends you tips across the air there. Right. Right. Well, it's actually on our breakfast bar, so if he finds change around the house, he'll put it in the jar. 
<laughs> well, I, I only ask you that question because... Well, because, well okay. okay. Do you... I, I know one of the things that I, I'm asking my mom for for Christmas is one of the Lego games for Wii. Have you guys played the Lego game, like Lego Star Wars? It's fantastic. Oh, yeah. So I've, I've seen it. Fun. I haven't played it myself, the, but the I've, heard, I've heard it's better than all the Lego other Star Wars. Lego Land games. on their computer, but I don't know that they've had the Star Wars. Oh, one. I've heard all about Lego Star Wars. Did you watch the, the little cartoon they made of it? I don't know. They have little. They have little ones in the game. They have uh, funny little scenes well, they, that are all done with the Lego people. Well, mm-hmm. you have to look wherever you find. Is it, car- DVD- is it Cartoon Network? Or? Yeah, they had a DVD. Or, well, they have a DVD or, and a Blu-ray out of. It's called Lego Star Wars. It's only a half hour long, and they were doing a test pilot to see if it would go over. I laughed so it hard. Was actually it. It, was really, funny. it was actually really well but done. See, you forgot they are. were Legos. You really did? Yeah. They well, were like cartoon Legos, but you really video forgot games, they were Legos. Yeah, the video games that Lego does are they're very witty, and they're, yes. char- they're charming, and yes. they're well put together, and they're fun. Except yeah. for the hands. You you remember their Legos when, when their hands come up and they're just these C's. <laughs> <laughs> There's no fingers. They're just like right. these C things that, you know what I mean? And, and you can put a lightsaber on them. But <laughs> well, it's, it's just the, the reason I asked you about the technology and stuff is I've noticed that in what I do for a living, the, um, the, once I get a piece of technology in my hand, it immediately goes into use for what I do. I won't get it if it's not going to enhance what I do. And right. it's it's amazing to me um, how inspired I can become when I get a program like uh, like I've got a program called Thumb Jam that I use uh, for doing solo work now with instruments because not only does it sound better, but it's just it's fascinating the way it works. And you get to I can use the iPad to do it. And you know instead of doing an electric guitar solo like I used to with an actual guitar, I could do it on the thing and then pitch band do all that different stuff. And it's not only, it just it's amazing the technology and I can sit it at a restaurant and write the music with my earphones. That's amazing. You know, I could have never done that before. Yeah. And so I, I would imagine as a writer and as a creative person like you are, the technology really enables you to do more stuff that you're called to do. Well and and reach readers in different ways or communicate with readers. I was right. thinking what a wonderful era it is to be an author because years ago Authors would maybe occasionally get a handwritten letter, you know, passed mm-hmm. along from their publisher. I get instant yeah. response. I mean, mm-hmm. I someone will read a book and email me because I have a website and they can find me and they can go to my Facebook page and they can, you know, read my tweets or whatever. And and then they can contact me and sometimes what they share just it's totally like sparks oh, a whole yeah, I, yeah, sparks this yeah. great conversation. In fact, I have to be kind of careful because I would love to spend my whole day just, just answering emails yeah. and chatting with with readers because yeah. it's just so fun. I, I I really think that writing a book is a conversation, and the loop of the conversation doesn't close until someone reads it and responds, and to get right. to actually hear that response and get get that conversation two way. Mm-hmm. is a treat and didn't used to happen i don't think yeah. mm-hmm. how do you point. how do you handle because i know as a, as an artist and a musician and stuff and amy knows this too with our podcast how do you handle the criticism how do you because we get far more nice compliments and people that are very encouraging but for some reason when we get a negative comment or something that's hard we tend to to dwell on that when we really shouldn't have have you worked through that no, I'm terrible. <laughs> I, 
as I as I got more you know involved as I began to be published, I asked God to turn me into a rhinoceros, and He didn't. I'm still a butterfly. I, I am just never going to be a rhinoceros. I don't have a thick, tough skin, and I. It's really interesting because I think a lot of creative people. What makes us good communicators is our empathy, our sensitivity, and our thin skin. And our thin skin. <laughs> it is true. So it's such an irony that God calls people like us who are tender-hearted yeah. to do work where we are putting ourselves out there and, and often getting yeah. stomped yes. on a little bit. We we yeah. become vulnerable and exposed really when yeah. we share our lives through. And it's, our a, it's part of the sacrifice if you yeah. if you really want to give a gift of love through your art. Yes. And sometimes that gift is not going to be received well and it's and that will hurt and taking that risk and being willing to bear that hurt is part of the calling of the artist, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I would agree with so, you. Yeah, I don't deal with it well. One time I got a letter from someone who was, she actually did a really nice endorsement of one of my books, but she wrote, uh, you know, she read the book, she wrote back and said, yes, I will endorse it. And because you asked me for feedback, here are a few thoughts. <laughs> and and her letter started out, I love the book. And, and then she started mentioning some things that she thought could be stronger. My husband came home from work that day, and I was in tears. Aww. And I said, so-and-so emailed, and she hated the book. And he said, I can't believe that. Let me see the email. And I showed him the email, and he said, okay, see that first line where she says, I loved the book? My eyes literally had not Seen absorbed it. Because they just, of the other they, Straight to the what could be stronger, what could be better. And so I literally couldn't even hear. In fact, in the Restorer, one of the themes, there's this race of people who are able to poison minds. Yeah. And what they do is they find the little vulnerability mm-hmm. and they twist your thinking until you believe the lie. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's boy, that sure happens for me with yeah. harsh mm-hmm. feedback is like, it just magnifies and it, it just, yeah. No, I'm not good at it whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> All right, if if somebody is listening right now to the podcast and they're they're enjoying this conversation, where would you tell them to start with your books? Which book would you tell them to start with? I, I would say The Restorer because it's so unusual. It, it's something that's very unique as far as a genre. And they can and, they can get and that, it, and it really conveys so much of what I want to do with story, with being imaginative, with showing the hero in all of us, with, you know, a journey that has a lot of layers of depth to it. So there's a superficial story of adventure, but then there's a lot of meaning behind it. And, um, but everything, they can find it on my website, SharonHink.com. Um, the new book is also on the Marcher Lord Press website. And for people who like sci-fi and fantasy, this is a really unique publishing company that focuses on sci-fi and fantasy. So oh, that's it's great. Working out Marcher Lord Press, um, and of course you can find me on at Amazon. You know, um, that's an easy place to order books. And sure, that's where sure. I that's where I got the copy that I yeah. I had because I looked at the library and they had the Restorer's Son and then the third book. Um, but they didn't have the first one, so I went are, online and looked for it. Are you yeah. on the Kindle yet? I, I, yes, Restore Expanded Edition is on Kindle and Nook. Sweet. And, and does so, it have does it have all the extras on it too on the Kindle? Yes. They put they put the um, QR codes into the manuscript on the Kindle. I haven't tried it yet to see if you hold your. 
I'm just trying to picture how totally geeky this is. If you hold your smartphone up to your Kindle, Kindle so they talk to, to each, each other, other, and the picture of the QR code is on it, I don't know what might happen. The world might explode. I don't know. So- <laughs> well, well, I'll let you know because I have a Kindle and my smartphone is back ordered, but hopefully it will be here try soon. It. She's going to do so it. I already know. I will let you know. I will I will get the book on Kindle. And you have to understand this is hilarious to see my wife turn into a geek. It's it's so funny. <laughs> it's it's wonderful. I know my husband laughs at me all the time. He said you are so the wrong demographic cuz the stuff that I get excited by, he always is surprised that I do. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I I actually I really love my geeky toys now. Um, I think part of it is um, it simplifies my life in some ways because I find I have way too much clutter in yeah. my life. And um, I like having yeah, 50 books. Yes. Um, <laughs> someone, my wife has something written on her hand. Someone told me about another sci-fi series <laughs> I'd be interested in and I wrote it on my hand. <laughs> That's funny. Speaking of low tech. Yeah, I guess. This is my Palm Pilot. Oh, that's a joke I would make. Can't believe you just made that goofy of a joke. I'm impressed. Yeah, well, I, I can go low tech and I can go high tech. I, the same way. way. My husband will laugh sometimes. Like we were doing a mailing of something and I said, it's easier if I just type each one separately and you know, for adding in addresses or whatever. And he said, no, you just do a merge with Excel. And I said, it would take me all day to figure that out. And in that time, I could type it. And so we're always having those, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. he does it the the smart way, the high-tech way. Right. The, and I'm always doing kind of the old-fashioned wow. approach. But We tell people at our mm-hmm. house, it's Star Trek meets Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> yes, I love yeah. that. Yeah, I, and, and that seems to work. Yeah. But unfor- yeah. Well, not unfortunately. I'm kind more. of excited. She's she's entering into a whole new I've realm. I've gotten more techie, but I remember before he converted me, and we had at oh, the I time. Oh, I remember that too. Okay, we had at the time we had our computer in our bedroom because we didn't have the studio yet. Our right. studio we used it. to be our garage. And we remodeled the garage into a schoolroom slash family room slash now it's a music studio. studio. Um, But at the time, our computer was in our bedroom and you were wanting to find a scripture. Uh And I said, let's have a contest. Uh And so I went and got the big Strong's Concordance. The book that, you know, little kids sit on to eat their dinner. You know, those huge ones? Yeah, the ones that you would use instead of three big phone books. And he looked it up online, uh-huh. and who won? I think I did. No, I did. Oh. <laughs> I did. I don't remember this. So I did, but you know, I, I don't remember when I lose. But now, but now I I use Bible Gateway or Bible dot com because I've yeah, gotten very. Bible yeah. Oh, it's fantastic! I've gotten more um, comfortable with those things tools, and yeah. <laughs> those tools, tools now, yeah. and I think but they've I come think a long, a long ways too. They're good, but there's nothing like. That tactile what feel. Kind of, yeah, the tactile and the, like, remembering where it was on the page. I know, I know. Underlined it in. I mean, my... Yeah. That was really hard for me to make that transition, but I, I, I finally did. I, I did that same thing when I got a... I got a little Palm Pilot, which was a, actually a handspring visor back in the day. And I went from one of those big planners, and I had my Bible, you know, and everything, and I used all this stuff. And then when I converted to digital, for about th- six months, I was lost. 
because I did exactly what you said. I knew where it was on the page. I knew kind of where it was thickness wise to mm-hmm. open. And it was a real change. Yeah. But once I converted, then I don't have to carry all these big heavy things with me all the time now. So, And that is the advantage of the Kindle or, yeah. you know, yeah. an e reader. The whole library in just that space mm-hmm. is right. pretty cool. Yeah. Amy, I have a question for you. Because mm-hmm. you were tired. I love that description, Rick, of. You know, Star Trek meets Little House on the Prairie. How are you liking the juxtaposition in the Restorer? Because they've got kind of this culture that has a lot of things that aren't technological, and then there's stuff that's very, very high tech, and it's yeah. kind of this interesting combination. Yeah. What do you? Well, it kind of now this is going to be really geeky, but it reminded me a little bit of Star Wars. How remember when in the the newer movies where they had. Darth Vader is a little boy, Anakin is a little boy, and they went back to the planet, um, and they had, like, the cave little houses, the real um, simple houses, and yet there was modern technology with the android in the house, or right. the beginning of R2-D2. No, no, or C-3PO. C-3PO. C-3PO was Get being... Get your robots cre- right okay. here. Anakin was creating <laughs> C-3PO, and yet they looked like they were living in a very crude hut. Mm-hmm. And the restorer reminded me of that kind of, that's kind of what I pictured when you, for the first scene when you had the like Play-Doh huts, you described yep. it. Yep. Like, and um, that's kind of what I pictured is I pictured the little town that Anakin was in. I don't know, maybe not that dusty, but yeah. Um, Cool. <laughs> but yeah, I I did think it was I, a- I did a lot of fantasies tend to be medieval mm-hmm. or the feeling. Yeah. Um and I wanted something different. And so yeah. I started, you know, the the whole pre writing process in creating the world, I was I came up with this world that um it doesn't use fire, so their source uh-huh. for energy is different. And no and- sun and no moon. And there's no sun or moon, which means I had to catch myself. They can't talk about months. You don't divide time by months if there's no moon because right. the moon is what and no shadows and and the shadows are yeah so there's so many things that as i the more i worked in writing for this world the more i wished i hadn't made it quite so challenging for myself as a writer because you can't you know you can't say you can't use an analogy of his eyes blazing like a flame because these people have never seen a flame wow. and you can't wow. use little sayings that you normally would because it's such a different a different world but yeah and I, I thought it was fascinating the transports how they had no n- noise to their motors yeah and they yeah. have they have light panels in the walls well, i may have to read of, this book here instead oh. of lamps yeah. <laughs> yeah instead of lamps there's like these light panels and you're so kind of is this kind of like steampunk is this a little bit steampunk well, steampunk's more, it's got more of a victorian sort of thing and so, so it's not, no no I, no okay all right i don't think but it's got old and new together but it is it is yeah, it, old and new and and in kind of weird ways yeah. so a, l- wow, a little sounds fascinating. bit a little bit futuristic mm-hmm. and yet there's yeah. the med- medieval and this is the restorer right this is the restorer? yes yep. because you have the swords Expanded and edition. you have you have swords and you have tunics and so some of it seems well there's medieval. two guys named nick in it no like the dress. I'm just joking. Oh, that's terrible. I know, I know. I oh. couldn't help it. So that was all the questions I had. You, but you don't have any more questions? Well, 
I I told her half an hour. And we've almost oh, gone we've, forty-five minutes. Okay, so right, right, right. I it's probably been so fun. It you has guys are just a treasure. This per, has been a blast. Perhaps we could have you back when you get the fourth book going here, that and we can talk a little bit about that. Because okay, so we just so everybody knows the book that we're recommending to start with is called The Restore. Restore. By Sharon, expanded edition. Expanded edition by mm-hmm. Sharon Hinks, so you can use all those little cool codes and your smartphone and, and on, all that jazz. It's on ebook too. It's on. So. It's on. It's on Kindle. It's Kindle. on Nook. Okay, it's Kindle yep. Nook. You can buy the old-fashioned version of you can buy the, an actual the real paper, paper copy. One too. Which yep. And you I can like always too. visit your website at SharonHink.com. Yep, that's and fantastic. You can contact me through that, and I've got a blog. And oh, that's yeah, great! So, and I love visitors. So, well, stop by. I think we have found a kindred spirit here, and that's very exciting for us. And we appreciate all that you do, and the fact that you're reaching out to people in a way that is unique, different, and um, we need more people like that, don't we, in this world? Yes, I, I think if everyone uses the gifts that God gave them. Um, in a loving, caring way, we'd have a different planet here. Yeah, I think we would too. So we're aiming towards that. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you very <laughs> much, Sharon, for being on the program. And uh, we're looking forward to uh, all that's coming out from you. That's exciting. Great to meet you both. Good to meet you too. Thank you. Okay, there you go. We're back here trimming the tree. Great interview with Sharon Hinks. Mm-hmm. And one of these days I'm going to have to buy different beads for our tree because these are ridiculously old. They're, it's a Mardi Gras tree. It kind of looks like they're, they're cranberry-colored beads, and it went with our house when I had cranberry-colored living room wall. That has a lot to do with the interview. But we don't have, well, we were talking about decorating. In the interview? Oh, no, not the interview. Okay, we just got done listening to the interview. So any last thoughts on Sharon and her stuff? I just think she's one really nice lady. I I wish we lived closer. I love to hang out with her. I know. She was a lot of fun over Skype, and we just had a great time. In fact, so much so that I might have to read some of her stuff. I wonder if she has it on audiobook. Do you know? Um, I I listened to one of her books on audiobook, but we'd have to check um, Amazon. The library only had one. Make sure you get the expanded version of The Restorer. That's the name of the, the book that we talked about today on the interview. Yeah, that's the newest one, and it has all sorts of cool extras. And it would I, I downloaded that program so I could um, could uh, do the barcode scanning on my on my iPad. See, I was doing it the other night. We were going around the house finding barcode barcodes in the house and clicking on it, and the camera reads it and then looks on the net for the best price. And if you have those little, what do they call those the little square things? I'm not sure what they are, but they're they're little they're little digital pictures that you can scan, and it will s- take you to websites for extra things. Like, yeah. like I think that that in the book, if you scan certain ones, it'll take you to maps and music, and maps and like music and stuff. Very very cool. Well, and recipes. So download that app. You just look for barcode reading app, and you can find it. I think it was free. 
And they have also have it for Android if you have an Android uh, platform that you're using. So that's kind of cool. Well, let's see. I guess that brings us to the end of the program today. want to let everybody know that I do have um, the Merry Trekmas site up. And you can go check out some of my hilarious uh, Christmas music done with Trek stuff. And that's over at ChristRocks.com slash Merry Trekmas. Putting out a few new ones this year. Just got done working on one um, that uh, debuts on Treks and Sci-Fi um, as we speak. Very cool. I took Little Drummer Boy and made it Little Ferengi Boy. Oh, of course. Rules of Acquisition. Yeah. Sad. Gold Press Latinum. Sadly, I think my kids grew up kno- knowing as much about the rules of acquisition as they knew scripture. No, they did not. I don't have any of the rules of acquisition memorized. None. None whatsoever, huh. I tell you. So how can people get a hold of us if they want to uh, write to us or they want to give to the to, to our family? Well, you can get a hold of us at takehimwithyou.com, either amy at takehimwithyou.com or rick at takehimwithyou.com or Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash rick.moyer or facebook.com slash forward slash amy.moyer. And um, if you want to contribute to the website to keep us going, just go to um, takehimwithyou.com and there's donate button. Yeah. And as I use PayPal usually. Some people send us a check in the mail. A couple of people do. But uh, most people use PayPal. And I even set it up on like a re- reoccurring thing if you wanted to give monthly. It's kind of cool. And uh, my PayPal address is rick at takingwithyou.com. Cool, huh? Mm-hmm. But our emphasis isn't on <laughs> we're not trying to get rich off the podcast. We're just trying to uh, bring you something positive and something that will help you out in your life and talk about our faith and all the cool things God's doing in our in our lives cool huh very cool i'm still putting beads on the tree okay well we're going to leave you with one of my christmas songs this a real christmas song not a, a trekmas song we'll leave you with one of my christmas songs that i uh recorded hope you enjoy it and uh, we're excited about the season and uh looking forward to all sorts of cool things keep positive remember the meaning for christmas it's not all about commercialism and and uh, things it's more about family and friends and of course uh, it's for us I mean, our belief is it's all about Jesus. So there you go. I hope everybody has an awesome, awesome week. We'll see you next week. Next week should be a, a fun program. We've got some cool things planned. Yes, and thank you for decorating the tree with me. You're welcome, dear. It looks very pretty. We'll have to snap a picture and put it in the notes. I wasn't thanking you. I was thanking our listeners. Okay. <laughs> thank you. Take Him With You is a production of Moyer Multimedia, LLC, copyright 2011 all rights reserved you did put on your willie nelson christmas album though so you did your part i always put on willie nelson christmas (laughs) album where'd yoda go can i put him on i'll put him on as the last thing i do on the podcast Mm -hmm. hang i will here we go here he goes he's gonna be right here in front so everybody can see him there he is next i put him next to a red he should probably be next to a green light Uh, there he is. Hi, Mr. Yoda. He looks really good on the tree. I'll take a picture and, and let everybody see. Jade, can you say goodbye? There we go. She said Merry Christmas. Oh, well, it's not Christmas yet. But... Girls, say goodbye. Girls, say goodbye. Sleigh bells ring. Are you listening? In the lane, 
snow is glistening A beautiful sight We're happy tonight Walking in a winter wonderland Gone away is the bluebird Here to stay is a new bird He sings a love song as we go along Walking in a winter wonderland In the meadow we can build a snowman Then pretend that he is Parson Brown He'll say, are you married? We'll say, no, man. But you can do the job when you're in town. Later on, we'll conspire as we dream by the fire to face unafraid the plans that we've made walking in a winter wonderland. Yeah! Build a snowman And pretend that he's a circus clown We'll have lots of fun with Mr. Snowman Until the other kids, they knock him down When it snows, ain't it thrilling Though your nose gets a chilling We'll frolic and play the Eskimo way Walking in a winter Walking in a winter Snipping at your nose Yuletide carols Being sung by a choir And folks dressed up like Eskimos Everybody knows A turkey and some mistletoe To make the season bright Tiny tots With their eyes all aglow Will find it hard to sleep Tonight They know that Santa's on his way He's loaded lots of toys and goodies on his sleigh and every mother's child is gonna spy to see if reindeer really know how to fly and so I'm offering this simple phrase 
kids from 1 to 92 Although it's been said many times, many ways Merry Christmas to Spoke with the rich and the poor 
And some men would listen and some turned away In the distance the death knell told Betrayed and accused and scorched and bruised Called guilty without even a trial He was sentenced to death to be crucified Never speaking against all their lies He hung on a cross as his blood stained the wood And he lifted his voice in pain Oh, Father, forgive them, it is finished, he died And the dark clouds wept with him Back to life, what was dead, and now I, oh, I, I see Messiah, and I, I believe He lives. Oh, I, oh, I, I see the Lamb of God. Stable, a stranger to earth. Shepherds and wise men rejoiced at his birth. A star in the sky, and the angels did sing. Glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest.